Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. A happy Labor Day weekend. If I have not had the honor of meeting you, you're joining us for the first time online just now. My name is Dave Brock. I'm the pastor here at Rock of Grace in Cortland, and I am in shock that it is September. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you guys cannot believe uh, we're officially entering into the season, which fall starts. Don't get me started. Fall did not start yet. We've got a couple more weeks before that one happens, even though Starbucks and all the other coffee flavors are incredibly confused. (laughs) But I have a question for you. This might show age, this might date some people, and not the way you're thinking this is about to go. Have you ever played The Floor is Lava? Or maybe a game server? Some of you guys probably are familiar. If you're not a person who has played it, maybe you're familiar with it or a similar game. See, the premise of the game is pretty simple. It's you pretend the floor is lava. And if you didn't know, uh, Minecraft will teach you this, by the way. Uh, Lava will kill you. You will die, you will burn, you don't jump into lava. So the whole premise of the game is basically an excuse for, you know, kids to take off all the couch cushions and anything they could find so they could jump from one spot to the next. Who's, no shame, has anybody played this game? I'll I'll raise my hand. Uh, A lot more of you than I expected, so that's awesome. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. When I'm saying the floor is lava, you know, they even made that game show, I think it was on Netflix, if anybody's seen that one. Um, It wasn't actually lava, but it was, you know, definitely dyed colored water. But see, I love the premise where anything goes. You can throw down your couch cushions, like I said, pillows, blankets, your sister, magazines, you name it. Whatever you can step on, don't do it with your sister, please. But whatever you have, if it's not the floor, you can step on it to avoid your imminent death from your carpet. Now, if your house hasn't been remodeled in a couple years, you might have that 70s or 60s shag uh, that looks like lava, especially with some of those stain marks. But the idea is simply at the end of the day, you do not touch the floor because lava is deadly, right? You do whatever you can. And whether you're looking at me saying, wow, that sounds absolutely exhausting. I've never heard of this game, nor will I ever play it after this. Or he said, wow, how did he know exactly what I did before I came to church today? You had a great morning, by the way, if that was you. You understand the point. You're making sure that you are staying away from the floor. And see, whether it's this game or something else, there's something to be said about the effort that you put in to succeed in a game, especially if the idea is I'm dying. Or the effort that we put in towards something, if the idea is I don't want to get hurt. Maybe it's a competition. Maybe it's a game like the floor is lava. But what does this look like when we compare the same level of effort to not getting hurt to our faith and to succeeding with the life that Christ has given us? Do we often put that same level of effort to not touch the floor, to not touch sin, to not touch the things that are not of God? One day I'm going to fall on this. I've done it once or twice. You've seen it. So how often, this is the question is, how often are we honestly putting effort that's needed in to avoid stepping into sin and succumbing to temptation? And this is exactly what we're taking a look at today as we close out our series uh, for the last couple of weeks called Teach Us to Pray. 
So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open up to Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, as we take one final look this week, or this series, at the Lord's Prayer. I will have it up here for the screen as well. And it says, he said to them, he being Jesus, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. See, our desire should not just to be avoid sin, but to avoid temptation. It's kind of like that time where you say, hey, you're getting a little close to that line. Sometimes you're, you're joking with a friend. You might know where their line is, and their line might be a different spot than your line. Or just even in general, just, hey, growing up, I know when my mom's going to yell at me. I know when my dad's going to bring out the dad voice. We know where that line is, right? Or we like to think we know where that line is. Sometimes we're thrown off of it. And this might sound obvious, right? That we shouldn't just avoid sin, but we should avoid temptation because temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death. See, the truth is, sometimes we don't really pay attention to that line of temptation. Sometimes we fall back as Christians to just be like, well, God will forgive me, right? So if I sin, if I do these things, it's okay. God will forgive me. I messed up. And yes, God will forgive us. But there's a difference between stepping into it and saying, God will forgive me, versus realizing what I did and then asking God for forgiveness. So the honest question is, how good are we actually at doing this? How good are we at actually not just avoiding sin, but avoiding the temptation? It's kind of like avoiding the bread aisle if you're on a low-carb diet. By the way, if you're on low-carb, we do have sugar-free Rita's after church. Uh, it's in the freezer as long as it uh, falls properly. But see, the honest truth that holds in any aspect of our lives is that we want to see change and transformation. We want to see growth. We want to do better. We want to continue to put ourselves into a better situation, right? We want to grow. And see, if you want to run a marathon, you're preparing to get up early or stay up late to set time aside for training. You know, I'm amazed uh, with Miss Allie, who leads our kids' ministry. Uh, she's been preparing. I think she says she's doing a 16K or something like that. And I just, I'm sweating thinking about it. I'm sweating now thinking about it. But she's telling me all the times that she's preparing and running and practicing for this. You don't just wake up and run a 16K. I don't know if, I don't, I don't wake up and run a 1K, but that's, that's just me. But see, you don't magically wake up being capable of running a marathon. For me, one of my greatest areas of discipline that I've had to create is within music. See, I've always loved playing music, but I've not always loved practicing. See, I started on piano with my mom as my teacher. I was around kindergarten, probably around age five. Third grade, I moved on, picked up the violin. Fourth grade, I picked up percussion. Fifth grade, I picked up the French horn. Sixth grade, I picked up the double French horn. And then uh, guitar. And then my dad began to teach me the basics of the organ. My dad was the church organist for many, many years. Uh, He now is on a second organ at their house, and it's absolutely fantastic. 
But see, additionally, after music theory classes on top of all the other options that I've had with practicing and growth, I've become proficient in those instruments at one point or another. See, as time has passed, some instruments have moved to a lower list of priority in my life. See, you may have seen me play the keyboard today. If uh, you weren't just fully focused on the Lord, you might have seen it. And, uh, you know, the keyboard's a derivative instrument of the piano. And you might have seen me play the guitar. But I guarantee that nobody in this room has ever seen me play the violin or the French horn. If my mom were here, I couldn't say that. Or my dad were here, I couldn't say that. But they were probably watching online right now. But nobody in this room has seen me play the violin or the French horn. And honestly, if you asked me to play it right now, it might not be my best performance. It might not be the best I've ever played the violin or the French horn. Yet at one time, I was in the county junior high orchestra as the concertmaster. But just because you were in a place where you were succeeding, just because you were in a place where your things that were of practice were in good practice, were of good habits, and continued to show fruit, does not mean they be, they're something that is sustained. See, my muscle memory is completely gone for the violin. I could tell you the string names, I could tell you the fingering and the hand positions, but knowing it versus my hand having the muscle memory to know exactly where to go is completely different. Even worse, I don't remember any of the fingering for the French horn, and the double horn, I remembered one. I looked up on the fingering, I'm like, all right, here's what I remember, here's what I can do, and if you throw a French horn in front of me, I'll be able to make noise and play an F. And uh, that's about it. I could play the other ones, but I can't tell you uh, purposefully which ones I'd be playing. And the point I'm making here is that just because you've put the time in to grow in something doesn't mean that that growth is maintained automatically after a period of time where it's not being exercised. The effort and the practice we put into something today, if I don't continue to exercise it, if I don't continue to put it into practice, if I don't continue to use it, will not be the same in five years. It will not be the same in 10 years. That's why we can all say we used to play the recorder in first grade when they gave it to us in class. And we annoyed our parents with it. If you've had one of those recorders, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But see, you may have worked to overcome a temptation years or even decades ago. But for those who have continued to maintain a stand over that temptation, understand that the temptation doesn't always go away. Because why sin doesn't go away? We live in a fallen world. And because of that, temptation does not disappear. It does not suddenly go away just because I overcame it on last Thursday or last month. See, we have to build the practice to withstand it and continually grow it. The key word there is continually. We have to continue to do this. See, growing does not, obviously, I think it's obvious, it does not obviously mean that finding the temptation just to prove yourself that you can overcome it, to practice it. If you overcame a temptation, if you're overcoming a temptation, do not look for the temptation to prove to yourself that you overcame it. If you're struggling with lust, don't walk into the club. (laughs) Don't walk in the club at all, but especially if you're really struggling with lust. The idea is don't put yourself in harm's way. Prepare yourself to say, I'm not stepping into something that I know I'm going to have to struggle with. 
doesn't matter what our willpower is because the scripture says that the Lord is our strength. And if I rely on myself, why would I put myself into a place where I have to make a choice when I can make the easier choice and not even find myself in that place? See, this means spending time with God and growing your heart so that your heart continues to yearn for the things of God and not the things of the world. See, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Think about that. Your temptation is not unique. No matter how unique you might feel it is. The temptations you and I face each day is what scripture says is common to humanity. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you will be able to bear it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel guilty just thinking about that. When I think about sometimes, man, there was a temptation and I gave in. But scripture clearly says what? You're not be able to be tempted beyond what you are able. And that with the temptation, he also provides a way out. That meant I didn't choose the thing I could have chosen. Anytime we succumb to temptation, it's something that we had the ability, and our God certainly has the ability to help us withstand and to help us say no to. And see, this is how we get uh, some phrases that are really, really bad theology that sound really, really good. Like, God will not give you more than you can handle. This is where we kind of get that idea, but the truth is that's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying that God will not permit a temptation in your life that he has not already given you the self-control. Remember the fruit of the spirit we talked about this summer to overcome through his power. See, God will not permit that temptation beyond what you're able to overcome. Next time you face a temptation, think about that. There is not a temptation that you cannot overcome. You want proof? The fact that you're thinking about when this is a temptation is evidence that you can overcome it. You can overcome the temptations that you are facing with Jesus. You have a choice. And honestly, sometimes that's hard, especially when it's a choice that you know nobody else sees, that you feel like nobody else is going to feel, nobody else will ever know, that closet temptation, the thing that even maybe your spouse is unaware of or your kids are unaware of. See, there are things in our lives that as you're dealing with temptation, we have the ability through Christ to say no, to overcome. But see, our prayer is not just asking God to take us out of our sin, but to help us ahead of it. See, as we've talked about before, this prayer, the Lord's prayer is a template, not a ritual. So he's telling us to conclude our time in prayer with him by saying, God, help me not to step into temptation. Keep me from this. Not help me in it, keep me from it. Do you see the difference? And when we understand the difference and apply it to our lives, it really transforms the way we apply the scripture and this prayer into our daily habits of growing with Jesus. See Matthew 26 verses 40 through 41 says, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. These darn disciples. He asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour? 
Fun fact, the disciples were teenagers at this point. So uh, that might change your perspective. said, you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we take Jesus' words to heart about how this flesh is weak. And we have to ask ourselves, what must I do to get ahead of this? What must I do to get ahead of this? You ever ask yourself that or maybe plan? Maybe you're a really type A, you're a planner, you don't like surprises. I don't like surprises, so this is me. Where you say, this is where I want to go. This is where I'm at. I have to create the roadmap of how I'm getting there. And I've got all the details. And by the way, you get really frustrated when one of those details goes off, right? You're like, this was not part of the plan. This was not part of the entire thing. Is anybody in here a believer in the concept that if you start your day right, that the rest of your day seems to go better? You know, like, there's the thing of like, I get off on the wrong foot. So then the concept translates to being getting off on the right foot, getting up on the right side of the bed. See, it's the difference for me between the rushed morning, sleeping through your alarm, getting dressed while brushing your teeth and shaving your head, I mean, doing your hair, grabbing Duncan on your way into work and maybe saying that, man, that traffic just was horrendous. You know, the drive-through traffic does build up. And just feeling like the rest of your day is catching up to your hectic morning. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Just saying, man, just, I am rushing out the door. When I was in high school, I had hair then, so that says something. I had really thick, long, curly hair. I strained it once using my sister's straightener, and it went down to here, just for perspective. But it ended here otherwise. It's a visual you didn't need as I'm sweating right now. But see, here's the thing. My bus was at 6.23 in the morning. I don't know if you guys remember when your high school bus was, if you rode the bus. But mine was 6.23 in the morning, which was a fantastic time to stand outside in the middle of January, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was cold, just like if you did the same thing here. And I remember, I would set my alarm for the ripe old time of 6.10. 6.10. I don't know how I did it. Nothing short of the grace of God for sure. But, you know, you get up, you shower, you definitely don't have time to uh, do anything to dry the hair. And my hair froze into like curlsicles is what I called them, where I could snap them, the ice that it turned into. And you sit on the bus, and now I'm dripping ice. Now I'm dripping sweat, but then I was dripping ice that was melting off of my head after standing at the bus stop for a whole two minutes. Because let's be honest, nobody wanted to stand outside in that freezing cold. And I didn't really realize then that those mornings that I you know, really did wake up at 6.10 and rushed set the tone for the rest of my day. But see, if you're starting the way off, your day off the way you intended, It starts that night before. It starts with the prep work the night before. And those days tend to, don't hear me, this isn't always, we know things happen, but those days tend to be more peaceful, right? The day where you get up and you follow through with the plan, you're not rushing. So let's start our days off right. I honestly can't think of any other way than to start my day with time with Jesus. 
I don't know what your daily habits look like, but I want to encourage you, if your daily habit is not starting your day off with Jesus in prayer, in reading his word, take a look at your calendar. See what it means to go to bed five minutes earlier so you can wake up, even just five minutes, because five minutes tomorrow is more than you probably did five minutes today. Start somewhere. Build that habit. So I want to share a little bit of my average morning with you. And like everyone else, I have bad mornings too where none of this or some of this even happens. Because you know, you make that plan that night before, but then something happens. Like two weeks ago, my dog decided he was going to throw up in the middle of the night through that next few days off just trying to recover. So I said, it didn't just throw off my day, it threw off a few days. But on the days when it goes according to my plan, the alarm goes off. I get my morning beverage of choice. It changes daily between some sort of energy drink or a freshly roasted coffee. It's, it's a, don't mix them, though. But I sit down at the kitchen table or the couch, depending on where I'm at, and I open up my Kindle, and I read through a devotional, and I spend time with Jesus. And I usually read another chapter from another book or two books, uh, depending on the time, depending on just when I woke up and the speed of the morning. And that's usually before my wife is up, before my son is up. Um, I usually sometimes the dog just stays upstairs, so it's a very peaceful time for me to make sure that I have set aside with me and Jesus. And then at following me and Jesus' time, I have me and me time. Because you saw in that video, you know, there's importance in spending that time to yourself and taking care of that. And you have to find that balance. But see, when that order happens, my day typically goes better. It typically goes better. I find myself at a greater level of peace. And honestly, those are the days where I would say my relationship with God is the strongest. There are the days where I'm able to, as Scripture says, pray without ceasing. You ever feel like that on those days where just everything's going right? It's like, man, you know, if I were to ask you what's your relationship with God looking like today, would you say it's strong? Those days where you're well-rested, you spent time with Him, things are going smooth, you would say, yeah, my relationship with God is strong. But then even just like a day later, two days later, that day where everything's just rushed and falling apart, your kids are screaming, there's crayons on the wall, something on the ceiling, you don't even know what. If you're asking the same question, what's your relationship looking like with God today? So you know what? It's struggling today. It's falling apart. Isn't it amazing how just the way we start our days, the habits we build will set the tone not just for our emotional level, but our spiritual level as well. So if we're saying, God, help me to avoid temptation, lead me not into temptation, then I need to make sure that I'm setting myself up to not find myself walking into it, that I don't find myself being prepared to be tempted. I'd rather prepare to not be tempted, but have everything I need to withstand it should I be. And it's carving out that time in your life, that time in your faith, the things when nobody sees it. Because guess what? You don't have to do your devotions and prayer life where everybody sees it and everybody hears it. But it's important that you spend that time with Jesus. See, there are days where we as Christians will find ourselves with the stamina to be able to withstand temptation. But there are also days... We say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. It's easier to give to this temptation. 
than to fight it. So here Jesus is displaying the priority that we must have towards prayer. And he's telling this disciple, don't fall asleep. Don't give in to temptation. But let's pray. See, we shouldn't be preparing for when we sin, but we should be preparing to prevent our sin. We just look at Jesus and his temptation from the devil. Jesus walked in knowing scripture and how to respond to the devil and his manipulation of scripture. Before I even read this, have you ever seen somebody misuse scripture on purpose? You gasp. You say, oh, you can't do that. They did. See, this is why it's important that scripture says we hide his word upon our heart so that we are aware of when Scripture is being manipulated and used against us. But then there's another thing, is when we are applying that Scripture, when we understand it, we can actively use it in the way that we see Jesus display it. In Luke chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 1 through 13. We'll have it up here on the screen for you as well. And it says, Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil, He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple Honestly, I would have loved to see Jesus fasting, climbing to a pinnacle of a temple. But there he was on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, and this is here where scripture is misused, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. And after the devil had finished every temptation, he parted. Or he departed from him for a time. What are we doing to ensure that we do not step into temptation? We look at what Jesus did. See, first off, there's no, there's no way that right now I can list and tell you every way to prepare for every temptation. We'd be here till Christmas. So I can't tell you how to prepare for every temptation, but here's what we can do. And only you know the temptations that you face. See, we say the temptations, and it's easy, we say the word temptations, right? And it's easy for us to quickly jump to things that are louder sins, 
louder temptations. Kind of the things that if I were to say, what are the top things Christians are against right now in America? Those things that you would list, right? So yeah, temptations is easy to quickly jump to drugs, sex, lust, and pride. But are those the only temptations that exist? No. Far, far from it. See, the truth is, the things that we are tempted by daily far exceed this small list. And in the eyes of God, sin is sin. So all temptations must be dealt with accordingly. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus knew the scripture. He knew how to apply it. Jesus wasn't looking for the temptation, but when the temptation was presented before him, he knew how to reply. He knew how to respond. He knew how to act because he knew what his father in heaven had said. He knew his identity in Christ. He knew who he was. And he walked in this authority knowing that he is the Messiah. And we can walk in that same authority that we are known and scripture has said over and over again that when we know Christ as our Savior, we can be called a child of God. And we can walk in that same authority. That while I'm not seeking out temptations, no matter how big or small they may seem, because let's be honest, we all face them in this room. No matter whether you're new to Jesus or you're a senior saint, the L aspects of our lives, we continue to face one thing after another. We have to learn to stay ahead of it. That is why Jesus is telling us to pray against falling before temptation, not in temptation, not while I'm struggling with temptation, but before it. See, when we pray it, that is one step that we must continue to spend time with him, understanding him, growing in him, growing our relationship in him so that we do not step into that place. See, maybe you're tempted by gossip. My question is, what can you do to intercept that temptation? Maybe it's easy to be tempted by anxieties and worries. But the Bible says to cast our cares on the Lord. How do I set myself up to do that? Because if I don't spend time with Jesus preparing for what it means to cast my cares upon the Lord, how well am I going to cast my cares upon the Lord in the middle of my worry. You don't beat worry in the middle of it. You beat it ahead of it. We have to learn how do I cast my cares upon the Lord as Jeremiah comes on up to play. Even other areas of life, like procrastination. You would probably say I was a procrastinator at setting my alarm at 6.10, in the morning for a 623 bus. See, the Bible says to do everything as if it were unto the Lord. And when we do everything as if it was unto the Lord, it changes the way we do this. It changes the procrastination of our lives. It changes the way we perceive the work that we do. That we don't do things with sloth or we do things with lack of care. But instead, we learn how to listen to what Jesus says. That when we pray, we say, Father, may your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. So as we conclude in this series, I know we spent many times in prayer and learning what it means to pray through this prayer as a template, as a guide to our regular prayer life and our time with him. I leave you with this. I want to encourage you to create time in your week. Just start with this week. When you first work on this week, next week will take care of itself. But if you do not have this, or you do not have this in the way you desire, create time in your week this week to reflect, to seek God, and to ask him to reveal the areas of temptation that are in your life. And when do we do this? We do this in the time that we have set aside to be with him in prayer, in the reading of his word, in worship. And we ask him, God, if there's an area of temptation that I'm unaware of, please let me see it. Please let somebody point it out to me if they see it within me. But God, let me get ahead of this. God, don't lead me into this temptation. But then don't just pray it, but spend that time with Jesus to know what scripture says about that which you're tempted. So pray into it. Put a plan into action to honor God in those areas. And not just the areas we're tempted in, but at some point to work to all areas. To hide his scripture in our heart. To be able to honestly have that time of prayer where we come before God and saying, God, I want to lift your name on high because you deserve it. Let your will be done on this earth. May you use me, allow me to be sensitive to these things. That your kingdom will be known in Cortland and in Trumbull County, Ohio. God, that you give me all to sustain me. All my needs, not just in the flesh, but for my soul. God, forgive me and help me to forgive others. And let me not find myself walking into sin, but in honoring you in everything we say and in everything we do. Whether that means you're spending time in your calendar today and this evening to say, what do I have to do to craft that time out? Let me tell you, this will change your life when you let Jesus speak to you in these areas. When you let this prayer transform your heart, transform your prayer life. So it's not just something I'm repeating. It's not just something I'm saying. It's not just something I'm doing because Pastor Dave says I have to do it, but it's something that is continually renewing and refreshing my mind and my soul. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning as one body of believers that we are just believing that you're going to move inside of each and every one of us today, throughout this week, 
throughout the rest of this year, that we can encounter you in fresh ways, that we can lift your name on high with all that we say and all that we do, that we could see your goodness and mercies overflow in our communities, in our homes, in our towns, in our work. God, we just thank you for all the things that you give us to sustain us as you meet our needs, even the ones we're unaware of. God, we just ask that we just come before you in forgiveness with a humble heart for anything that might be inside of me that is keeping me from all that you have for me today. And help me to step away, to prepare for the things that are of this world that are not of you. That I might find myself in a place of strength through you. God, be with us this week as we celebrate the holiday weekend. Watch you over us, protect us, meet all the needs that are aware of and we're unaware of that are in this room as we seek to bring you glory and honor in everything we say and in everything we do. We love you, Lord. And in your name, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Rock of Grace, I have thoroughly enjoyed this series of walking through the Lord's Prayer with each and every one of you. Just a reminder, we have uh, Italian ice available for anybody uh, in the cafe. We've got lemon, mango, Swedish fish, and uh, sugar-free dragon fruit. We have that on a limited supply. Uh, hopefully it uh, thawed out a little bit. Our freezers were cooler than Rita's freezers. Um, but otherwise, I hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend and Labor Day. God bless you, and I'll see you next week or in the cafe.
Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.